Yesterday in, in our church, we celebrated the feast of Jesus' baptism. And so this, this is now the season of Epiphany. And so in today's reading, this is after Jesus' baptism, where he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And after his baptism, Jesus began to, his, his mission, and he began it with a, extraordinary signs of healing and power. And so today we have Jesus, he comes and visits his hometown in Nazareth, the synagogue, okay? So he's visiting his hometown, and at first, when he's preaching and reads from the scroll of Isaiah, there is some level of happiness and astonishment at his words. But then, doubt begins to hit the people, and they start going, is this not Joseph's son? Is this not the carpenter's son? How does he say these things? And so, immediately, the people don't believe. And so, it's important what I want to reflect on on is, Jesus doesn't force anyone to be his disciple. He doesn't force anyone here to be Catholic or to accept his teachings. He, He can force his own hometown Nazareth that he grew up in which just was supposed to be a happy moment when he preached to them. But it becomes a moment of his own hometown rejecting Jesus, and actually they want to throw him off a cliff. And so this is the same thing today. Jesus could have forced them to worship him, and he could have shown them a glory in a way where he could have forced them to bow to him, but he does not do that. He lets them choose whether they want to believe and whether they want to be his disciples. So no one in this church should be forced to be Catholic. And so where am I going with this? Another time, Jesus preaches in a synagogue in Capernaum to a group of his own inner disciples that were following him actually everywhere. And then he begins to tell them about the Eucharist, how he wants to give them his body and blood and to eat his flesh and drink his blood so that there would be life in them. And so they look at Jesus all strange and they're like, who can accept this teaching? This is too hard for us to accept. And then they leave Jesus. And then Jesus, what does he do? He turns around, he looks at the 12 apostles, and he looks at them and he says, do you want to leave too? You're free to leave. And so sometimes people think that when we teach anything in the church, We're forcing people to believe the teachings of Jesus. We're forcing people to be Catholic. In the Catholic Church, we don't force people to be Catholic. And that's why sometimes when people are enraged when the Catholic Church teaches certain things, no one is forced to believe in the Trinity. No one's forced to believe in the Eucharist. No one's forced to believe in the sexual moral teachings of the Catholic Church. No one is being forced to be Jesus' disciple. And Jesus loves the apostles so much, he turned turned at them and said, do you want to leave? You have freedom. You are free. You are not forced to love Jesus. Jesus will not change the truth of his love because that is love is to tell the disciples and the apostles the truth, right? And that is so critical for us today is to know that Jesus doesn't change his truth even when it comes to his apostles. He looks at them, he's like, if you don't want to believe me, I'm not here to force you. And very good. So, I'm assuming all of you who are in this church today, I'm assuming you have faith, 
right? I'm assuming that if you come to church, you're saying to the priest, I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus. But faith must come with understanding. And so today I wanted to talk a little bit about what the church teaches on a sensitive, on a sensitive issue. So if you know, a few weeks ago, right before Christmas, which wasn't a good time for us to really talk about these things, was the church, the Vatican, released a document on what appears to be something about same-sex blessings, right? So I just want to explain that what is the church teaching on this subject, okay? It's a sensitive subject, so hopefully I'll do it the right way. You know, it's not exactly easy. So, so what does the church teach? First of all, the church has always taught that just because someone has same-sex attraction, the attraction itself is not sinful. And in fact, in most cases, it is not the person's fault that they have those attractions. So what's the church teaching? As Pope Francis has said repeatedly, same-sex sex behavior is morally sinful. That's the teaching. You should know that. Nothing is ever going to change a teaching. And I don't think people understand it sometimes. Moral teachings, moral dogmas never change. So when the church has universally taught, in, and, and not only universally taught, but it's a natural law issue and a divine law issue. So it's in the scriptures. And even if it wasn't written in the scripture, you can derive that, that those actions are immoral simply by natural law on how God designed the body. We actually don't even need it written in scripture to tell you that that is sinful. And so, but how do we approach the situation? So there are some people who really struggle and really suffer, and people do, what Pope Francis, what I believe he's trying to do, is always meet people where they're at. Not everyone is just going to live a pure and holy life. And one example could be, most Catholics today are not living a pure and holy life. That's the first issue. Most Catholics in general, how many people who walk down the aisle when they get married, are pure before marriage today. Very few people. Not that Jesus doesn't forgive. He does forgive. But we have to look at the world. The world is broken and the world is filled with sin. Right? How do we help people encounter Jesus and say, the way that you are living is, wrong, is sinful, is offending God? So we have to be very careful with that. Some people are not ready to accept those things. And I don't accept certain people to accept what I'm saying now because some people are not ready to accept. How do people accept the moral teachings of Jesus? It's first accepting his love, who he is, and then what he has done on the cross, right? For example, I'm a Catholic priest. I'm not married. Why should I stay pure? Because I love Jesus. The whole thing, everything we do, why do we, when we teach, what, with the teach, when we teach Jesus' teachings, we're doing them because we love him, right? And we cannot force people to know him and love him. That happens on your knees. That happens in prayer. That might happen over years of tears of understanding what, how is God calling you to live, right? So that is the teaching. So what is this document saying that the Vatican released? It's important that we not are not confused. That's why I'm, I'm talking about this, because there's a lot of confusion, right? And the document, I don't think, was trying to confuse anyone. 
But one thing that's important is whenever you hear Catholic teaching from the news media, why are you listening to the news? The news media, secular news media, does not understand Catholic church teaching in any way, shape, or form. They have no idea what the role of the Pope is. They have zero clue on what the church even means by non-liturgical blessing. They have zero, zero clue. Some of it is their own fault, and some of it they purposely use to manipulate people. And so, what does the document even say? So why is the church even coming up with this document? Maybe you don't know this already. This was a response to what certain clergy in Germany were doing. Okay, so if you're not familiar with that, what was going on in Germany? This whole document was a response to something that was going on. So there were certain clergy in Germany, unfortunately, that were blessing same-sex couples in the liturgical setting and making it seem like it was a wedding. Okay, they already were doing this. They already were full-fledged doing that. And so this whole document is actually telling you what you cannot do as a priest, okay? So it's saying that you cannot cause scandal, you cannot make this simulate a wedding, marriage is between a man and a woman. The document is actually pretty orthodox. So what is it talking about? I didn't need the Vatican to tell me as a priest that I can bless people in a state of mortal sin. When a Catholic priest blesses someone in a state of mortal sin, it's not blessing their sin. So imagine some of you here today who might come to take communion and you come up to the priest and you cross your arms. Let's say you cross your arms. Okay, I will bless you because you're telling me I can't receive the Eucharist, but I'm not blessing whatever action it was that you committed because you're in that state, right? If a couple, a same-sex couple came to me and they're trying to understand the church teachings and they come to my office... The only type of blessing that I can see someone receiving is one of, may God grant you the grace to love and do the will of Jesus in your life, to live a pure life. That is the only blessing that a person can receive to accept God's word. It's not an acceptance of a person's personal sin, right? And so let's say I went to a prison and someone's a criminal or someone's a murderer or someone's committing horrible sins. I can bless a person, but I'm not blessing their sinful lifestyle. And so that's what the document says clearly. So whenever you listen to the news media and, and they make it seem like the church is accepting all kinds of sinful stuff, please do not listen to the church media. They, have, they purposely are trying to manipulate young people today. So I hope it was clear. I'm not going to talk too much more about that. But if you are struggling, remember, Jesus loves you. Jesus, we are called, there are people in the church that come to me as a priest all the time, you might not know this, who have same-sex attraction, who actually come to me and talk to me, and they say, Father, I'm doing my best to live a pure life. People come to priests all the time. And we support people who want to choose, who are not forced, who choose to live out their Catholic faith. We support those people. Now, people don't have to be Catholic. And that's not a mean thing. I'm not, we're not here to force. No one in the Bible today, in today's gospel, or any other time, were forced to 
be Christian and to live Christian moral life. Before I end this, um, I'm going to read something to you from the letter of St. Paul very clearly on and why the church can't change what it teaches. First of all, like I said, in natural law, and St. Paul says this all over his letters. It's not just in the book of Exodus. He says very clearly in 1 Corinthians, he says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the immoral, nor idolaters, nor, nor adulterers, nor practicing homosexuals, nor the thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor robbers will inherit the kingdom of God. As such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. So what does that mean? So in Corinth, in, Corinth, in Greece, Jesus is speaking to people who have already received baptism. And he says to them, why are you returning back to the sinful lifestyles you were living before your baptism? He says, don't you know that you have been washed by the baptismal washing Your body is a sacred temple now. You become part of the body of Christ. He says, don't return to your sinful form or way of life. If you do, he says plainly to the Christian community, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he's not saying to us that we don't have sins. He says, but if you fall, get back up. Remember your baptism. Remember what Jesus has done for you. And so it's not saying that we ourselves are all not deserving of going to hell at some point in our life, most likely. But Jesus forgives us when we turn back to him. And so that turning back is necessary. So let's pray at this Mass for all of us who struggle, all of us who struggle in this church with sin, that we always unharden our hearts and turn to Jesus to be healed. Amen.